You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live from the Sixth and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The set, very festive. We've got the Yeehaw and the Old smoky cherries here, the green and red. We got a nutcracker. We've got a Christmas yeah. tree. Yeah. Maybe it'll bear gifts. Don't know. Doubtful. Oh. But, you know, we can cross our fingers and hope. Chad, you and I, uh, we made a pact uh, with uh, me, you, PK, about, uh, probably like 10 years ago now that we stopped doing gifts for each other. It was like, guys, you, do we really have to do gifts? Yeah, do we need was, to exchange? It was a weird time when we were giving each other gifts, and I'm thinking it was like a two-year span maybe yeah, early. The first, yeah, the, roughly the first two years, yeah. And then we we all looked around like, yeah, we don't have to do gifts. Yeah, and I, there was I, a huge I burden lifted. So, it was like, perfect. I get, this is perfect. I get so uncomfortable <laughs> if someone gives me anything, Yeah, right? That I'm, And then you just immediately feel guilty if you don't have the gift in right. return immediately, right then and there, that I just uh, – because it makes me feel so uncomfortable, I just choose to not give yeah. any gifts. I mean, it sounds horrible, <laughs> but I, I really don't want your gift card. I will wish you Merry Christmas. I will ask about your family <laughs> and your plans and be courteous in that way. And I legitimately care about what you're up to. If you work with me or if you're around me, but yes. I, I'm not going to take the extra step and go out and shop for and or buy a gift. I, I just I can't bring myself to do it. I apologize to all of you who know me. Hey. But you will not be getting a gift this year. Unless you live in my house. If you live in my house, you will be gifted something. Everyone else, you can forget about it. Yeah, Just you get don't a gift even from Chad, think about you're it. You're a lucky human being. Yes. Scott Satterfield hired by Cincinnati to replace Luke Fickle. An interesting hire here, Chad, because this is who they have now tabbed to take them into the Big 12. And, you know, uh, John Cunningham, the, the AD at Cincinnati, was saying, hey, we, we are a destination job. We don't want to be a launching pad for coaches that come through here. And and that's fine. I mean, Cincinnati's been to the playoff already. I mean, they are a brand, and, and rightfully so. But this is, um, this is a hire that I feel like is exactly what he was describing a couple of weeks ago, which is they want somebody that's there for the long haul, that wants to be – you know, uh, the the big it wants to win Big Twelve championships and play for a, a, a college football playoff berth, but I don't see this as a hire where oh Scott Satterfield's now using this to propel him somewhere else. At least that's my initial view of it. And I mean, what he's done at Louisville it wasn't great this year. Um, what he's done at Louisville has exceeded expectations versus where he got when he got there. Well, so his record at Louisville. He's twenty five he, and twenty four. What was he seven and five this year? Yeah, he's a game over five hundred. But he was eight and five when he initially took over. Mm-hmm. Then he went to four and seven, then six and seven, going to a bowl, and now seven and five this year. So not bad 
Not really good either. He's on the hot seat this year. Early on when they get blown out by Syracuse, before they pulled it together, they were actually ranked in one of the college football playoff rankings, 25th, I believe, at one point. So they rebounded well and played well, even at times, without their star quarterback, Malik Cunningham. There's two sides to this whole story and narrative with this. If you're Cincinnati and you are a Bearcats fan or alum and you are told, hey, we're going to go rob Louisville, who is an hour and a half down the road of their head coach, it looks terrific on paper. Just in, in, in general. We hired Louisville's coach. They're already in a Power 5 conference. We're going to one. And we are so big time at Cincinnati, we can go and rob them of their coach. Looks great. Until you really look behind it and see, well, he was on the hot seat. He's probably not getting a contract extension offer of any kind at Louisville. And he's 25 and 24 at Louisville. That part of it doesn't look as good for Cincinnati. But I think overall, it's a nice sign for their program that they could make this happen. Yeah, I mean, even if it's a guy that is attempting to get out before trouble really starts at his current job. So he was at App State whenever they made the jump to FBS. Right. And, you know, that's, that's kind of in line with what Cunningham's talking about here as they move into the Big 12. But also keep in mind, they did Louisville a favor. They're paying three and a half million dollars to buy him out, and if Louisville, I mean, if you're, if we're thinking the same thing here, Chad, early next season, if he's on the hot seat and things go the same way they started this year, they probably have an interim coach they're ending with next year, and they're paying his buyout. Now, right? at, at Appalachian State, Scott Satterfield was forty-seven and sixteen and three and zero in bowl games. Yeah, I thought when you were saying, if you're thinking what I'm thinking, I'm thinking, is Jeff Brom now ready to go home and coach oh. Louisville? Well, because you use some of that buyout money and you go make a huge offer to Jeff Brom. I don't know that he'll do that because I'm sure he's, he's been there long enough now at Purdue and had ti- enough success. But the timing might you be right. You want to stay in the Big Ten, but I don't know what Jeff Brom ultimately wants. That's his alma mater. He's from Louisville. Uh, he went to a prestigious uh, uh, well, Louisville Trinity High School, prestigious yeah. high school in Louisville. Maybe he wants to go there and coach out his days as long as well, he see, can at his alma mater. Well, see, now you, that's interesting because now you can flip the same script on if you told Louisville fans that Cincinnati was going to come in and take their coach and you were going to replace your coach with Jeff Brom, right? Your 500 well, if, coach with Jeff Brom. That's a home if run. If the too. replacement is Jeff Brom, Louisville fans it's a massive would get upgrade. on whatever that highway is between Louisville yeah. and Cincinnati, yeah. head, heading that direction and, the, and, and throw a parade the entire way down that highway. For you know, hit Satterfield to get out of there and they'll, think they'll about lead the, the, the perception of both situations. Brom in this, in theory, would be taking over a, a five hundred job, where expectations are what they are. But he could come in and build off of that and have success pretty quickly. Meanwhile, Satterfield's headed to Cincinnati, where I mean, Luke Fickle, the bar is set pretty high. No, no matter what conference you're playing in, yeah. So. Satterfield's got to, I mean, it, there's no coincidence they're announcing this on day one of the transfer portal being open. You've got to go to work fast. Well, here's the other thing about going to work fast. These two match up in a bowl game against each other. Yeah, right out of the gate here, the right? Fin, the Fenway Bowl is December 17th, so it's a week from Saturday. They play head-to-head uh, in, in Fenway Park. It's Kerry Combs as the interim, I believe, too, right? Louisville and... <laughs> Look, I, I, I believe that this is one where Satterfield would just be completely out of it. Yeah. He'll probably do an interview with the broadcast team. 
But even that interview was awkward. Yeah, hopefully there's some recruits in, in the Boston area he can go see. The team that the team that you just left is playing the team you don't know yet, but you're about to coach and you're in the the booth doing an interview is going to be. I'll be I'll be watching that game just simply for that. Chat uh, quarterbacks transfer portal. There are plenty of them. Plenty of movement today uh, with all the different Power Five quarterbacks who did not meet expectations or are looking over their shoulder knowing that a younger guy is about to play and replace them. They're moving around. DJ at Clemson. Uh, Leary at uh, at De- Devin NC Leary's State. now in the portal. Uh, Keaton Slovis announces he's in the portal. Simultaneous to that, Phil Jerkovic, who was thought to be a pro prospect, who was originally at Notre Dame, transferred to Boston College. He is now going to Pitt to be their their next quarterback to replace Keaton Slovis. Uh, Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma Sanders, State, yep. is now in the portal also. Uh, and I'm blanking on his name now. The, the kid at Western Kentucky, who's second in the country in passing yards or total offense, uh, led one of the best offenses in America. Reed? Yes, Austin Reed. He is now in the, the portal also. So a lot of movement in that portal. Yep, and we have we've saw the changing of the guard for Clemson a couple times this season, right? But it's clear where Dabo's headed at the position he should have done earlier, you know? Yeah, it, it, we said that all year. I thought it really we helped We saw him back. a lot more spark in the offense good with team, not great team. Good team, not great team. Anthony Richardson, meanwhile, is headed pro. Uh, Graham Mertz, by the way, also Wisconsin's oh, that's right, yeah. three- or four-year starter headed in the portal. I know that because Brooke, our producer, was very excited about that as a Wisconsin fan. That, that, oh, she that, was not upset. She's excited that he's, he's leaving. Some of these guys, I'm always curious, is it just – Power five to power five. Cade McNamara, for instance, we know where he's going. He's going from Michigan to Iowa. So he's going from one division in the Big Ten to another division, but it's not a huge step down. You stay in the power five. You stay in the Big Ten. A guy like Mertz, does he just go to another power five and start right away, or do you go down a level to a group of five team and start to know that you're going to get playing time? I'm always – because there's so many quarterbacks in the portal right now, I don't think all of them are good enough to just go somewhere else to the Power 5 school and immediately start. Some of them are. Spencer Sanders, for example, is probably going to go to a Power 5 school and start. Would be my estimation of where he's going to end up. Well, that's without it's the unknown of Okay, so what what does Kentucky have? You know, we saw what Kentucky had against South Carolina and it wasn't great. Um, but without Levis, where are they turning? Like, what level of power five are some of these guys going to going to end up with? Um, you know, look, Tennessee's going to have a guy that surely that they find in the portal that'll come in at least compete against Milton, right? Yeah, it, it, to me, it all uh, comes down with a school like Tennessee. All these schools have a freshman quarterback on their roster. Mm-hmm. So Tennessee's got a guy named Taven Jackson, who's a four-star freshman. He got hurt, broke his collarbone this season in a game, and. Uh, do you trust him to be the guy that competes with your veteran guy while you're bringing in another quarterback, or do you need to add a depth piece that could maybe come in in a pinch and play for you if the starter doesn't work out early on? All the decisions that we don't have to make, but all these college coaches are looking at, I'll give you a name for Kentucky that makes a lot of sense, was the one we just talked about, Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders. That's one I'm going after if I'm the Wildcats. Well, for the up-tempo offense, what about um, what Allen from, from Western Kentucky? Yeah. Reed, you're saying? Oh, Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, that, that would make sense, and it's um, a short drive. Yeah, I'm just saying just based on the pace of the offense yeah. and what Western was doing offensively. 
Um, and we don't know what Kentucky's going to ultimately do offensively because right. they fired their offensive coordinator, but one to watch. Anthony Richardson has declared for the NFL draft out of Florida. I, I just don't see him. I mean, I, I see a developmental quarterback, yes. I just don't see him as, as a guy that is just polished enough to immediately go in and start in the league next year. Um, I know many people view him that way with the traits, the skill set, and he was certainly being lauded as that back in September. But Chad, 142 quarterbacks threw at least 50 passes this college football season. Anthony Richardson ranked 127 out of 142 for completion percentage. That's all you need to know. Um, that, that's, that's nothing consistent with his game. He was consistently inconsistent. And that's my biggest issue with Richardson right now as a pro prospect. I meanwhile, just, meanwhile you, we're going through I, all these different I, I quarterbacks. It's like, why not stay at Florida and, and run it back? Yeah, I, and I'm just looking at, you know, I, I'm at Walter Football right now, a site I go to for draft projections. They've got Richardson fifth amongst quarterbacks in this draft. By the way, that stat is for conference games. I'm looking at yeah. the best talent against the best talent. And he was 127 out of 142 in conference for quarterbacks throwing at least 50. But and now I've got two different projections up. The top five quarterbacks in this draft. Number one, C.J. Stroud. Great. Get it. Bryce Young, number two. Absolutely. Understand that. Will Levis, three. Okay. Don't get it. Tanner McKee from Stanford, fourth. I know he's a huge kid, 6'6", 230, pro style. I didn't watch a lot of Stanford this year because they were terrible, quite frankly, and not extremely relevant. So don't know as much about him. And then Anthony Richardson at number five. Anthony Richardson ahead of uh, Jaden Daniels, ahead of Hendon Hooker, ahead of Jaron Hall from BYU. Um, I, I I don't get it. With Levis and Richardson right now, I just don't really understand the love with either of those guys. Anthony Richardson athletically could do the job. He just has a long way to go. Just extremely raw right now as a passer. Well, and it, what makes all of this really intriguing, it, the number of franchises that are going to need quarterbacks in the first round. I mean, they, if you start looking at the top 15 picks and even further than that, there are seven, eight teams right now that it, they either know they need a quarterback or they're about to based on whatever their veterans are going to do this offseason. Like, for instance, Brady and the Bucks. Like, no one's talking about the Bucks next year yet. But they've got to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. Now, some of them are going to sign and and move on or hit the trade and do different things. But I mean, you've got to start building through the draft. And it's a tough pull right now. I think the portal has something to do with it, with the development of these guys. But the the overall movement of the portal is far more interesting right now than the talent that's coming out for the draft. And even with Stroud and and Young, there will be plenty of questions with them but at least you're, you're more certain about where they are and their overall game and their consistency. And some of these guys, not so much. Hit us up at OutKick360. Coming up, we recap Week 13 across the NFL. We start with the Bengals taking down the Chiefs. But also, looking around, Chad, Deshaun Watson in his debut, A.J. Brown and the Eagles dominate the Titans. And the Giants and the Commanders... We mentioned they're playing twice now over the next three weeks. They'll play again in week 15. They've been flexed to Sunday night football because that, in essence, is going to come down to a, a win and probably they're the wild card team, the winner there. And 
That's because they tied yesterday. Because there were, they're the winner because there was no winner yesterday. Yeah, and a couple of other a couple of other teams that I felt like really um, took a step forward, maybe not playoff caliber, but they're showing us something. And one team in particular that refuses to actually do anything that says, "Hey, we're playoff worthy." Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. The crew making it happen for us. Glad you're with us across the Outkick network. You can follow us at Outkick 360. And if you miss portions of the show, hit the podcast. You can download it just by searching Outkick 360 wherever you find your audio. We've got SEC Mike who will join us in about 40 minutes or so. We'll run through the bowl matchups and more. And if you're on the YouTube, you can Outkick 360, search us out there and watch on YouTube. I am inside the chat and doing the best I can. Chat is in you. Chat. To, to chat with you during the show. Um, but I'm not the best multitasker. So in order for me to make sure that I'm paying attention to everything Hutton's saying, yes. I can't spend too much time in the chat typing back <laughs> with what you're saying. But I'll, I will chime in here and there. And it's... Lot of convert, lot of NFL conversation. Okay, in today's chat, what, I'm what, trying what's to, driving it? Um, the Titans and John Robinson, Bengals, Chiefs, long conversation about Joe Burrow. That's where I am right now. Okay, so again, I'm not trying to take too much attention away from you at this show. So I'm just kind of seeing pieces of the chat. So with with Burrow and the Bengals, Think about how they had the go-ahead touchdown drive yesterday against the Chiefs. It's not like they're throwing it deep. They, the first three passes are checkdowns to Samaji Pirine, um, and they, they hit a couple of others as well. But then, you know, Higgins steps up and makes some big plays as well. And, of course, we'll get to the, the two-minute deal where they were able to run out the clock. But, I mean, they, they just take what's there, and they are making the positive yardage. They stay ahead of the sticks defensively. Bend but don't break. And against a, a Chiefs offense, basically the goal is to just have the ball last and to eat the clock and not allow Mahomes to have the football back to go have a game-winning drive. Because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there watching that game. Chad, we're, we're here at 6 of Peabody, and the clock's winding down, and I'm thinking, man, if Mahomes gets this ball back, they're going down and they're scoring. Like You just had the feeling the Chiefs are going to go have a game-winning drive. And then that pass to T. Higgins across the middle where Burrow somehow fits that in. And somehow Higgins caught that football. Yeah. Um, tremendous job in the clutch by that team over the last two weeks. And this is yet again why the Bengals are right up there with the teams in the AFC. Despite their slow start and their inconsistent play through the October schedule, this is a team you do not want to face right now because they believe that they are the team you don't want to face right now. And you know, looking in their division also, um, with Lamar Jackson getting dinged up in that game, yep. uh, the the Browns with Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's beyond rusty, so it's going to take time before you know he's Deshaun Watson again. It's really Denver, Baltimore. Way. Yeah, it's Denver, Baltimore. But then Baltimore, that, 
the exact opposite of, of Cincinnati. That clutch play that they make against a great Chiefs team to win the game, that's been the problem for the Ravens is closing out close games and making those types of plays. They, they can't do it. They have an inability, inability to do those things. So with the protection Joe Burrow is getting now for the Chiefs, I, I really think that I'm elevating them into that group with Buffalo and Kansas City and the AFC as an absolute powerhouse that has a great chance at, at getting back to a Super Bowl. This is the, the thing about the, 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 the Bengals have a tougher schedule, much tougher schedule than the Ravens. And the Bills have a very difficult upcoming schedule because they've got the Jets Sunday, then they face Miami. And both have, yeah, both teams have beaten the Bills already this season. And then it's on to Cincinnati. So the Bills still have to play the Bengals. Meanwhile, um, and I think they end the season in the division against the Patriots. Meanwhile, the, you've got the Chiefs that only have one opponent with a winning record remaining on their schedule currently. And that's Seattle. So Kansas City is still in a really good spot. Yeah. But it's very difficult to watch the Bengals play and not look at them week to week as we're projecting and say, yeah, they can win this game. They're going to win this game. And there's only like two or three teams in the AFC you really feel that about. And it's KC, Buffalo, and now it's Cincinnati. It's not Baltimore. It's not Tennessee. It's not Miami. The Bengals are there. And regardless of their combined record, I think the Bills and and Bengals, whenever they meet, uh, they'll have like a combined record over a stretch against their opponents of 33 and 19. That's their overall record they're going to be facing. Um, The Chiefs don't have that. But what the Bengals and Bills do, they have the ability to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. And we've seen that this year already. I don't think that the Browns had the ability to beat anyone yesterday other than the Houston Texans based on how poor they looked on offense. Maybe Denver. With Deshaun Watson. Maybe. But that game's five to nothing (laughs) until they return a punt for a touchdown to make it seven to five. Not a single offensive touchdown. They had the fumble return for a touchdown. They had the punt. It was a bad day, and you got Deshaun Watson out there throwing worm burners, you know, three yards short of every intended receiver. That, that's not well, good. We knew there. I mean, it's two years. You well, know, seven hundred days, exactly seven hundred yeah, days so between games. There was going to be some issues. I still was expecting better than that. I thought they would have some well schemed plays for him. You know, because he's been out there on the practice field for a couple weeks. I thought we would see a couple of wrinkles added in to their offense. And this was just more or less Nick Chubb, who, I mean, it was, you're right, it was an awful game. He was the best player on the field offensively for the Browns, and I think he rushed for 80 yards. I mean, it was a grind. And if not for the defense, I mean, did you see the one that the ball just popped out at, on a, it was a quarterback sneak or a quick Kyle run Allen, or something? Well, I think it was trying to sneak just it out it, of the end zone. Yeah, and it just popped out, and the defensive back picks it up and goes in for a two-yard return for a touchdown. I mean, that, it was that type of day in Houston. Um, and over, over, overall, he's booed, but he's going to face that. I didn't think it was anything close to what an atmosphere that we thought or would have projected it would have been whenever they announced the suspension and he was coming back in Week 13. Wasn't close. There was a one sign. And I don't blame Texans fans for not showing up, by the way. No, of course not. There was one sign in the crowd that one of the, you know, 4,000 Texans fans that actually showed up to that atrocity of a game yes. held up that said, I'd rather be, I'd rather the Texans be 1 9 and 1 than have Deshaun Watson as our quarterback. <laughs> and of course, that is the record of the Houston Texans. And now they're on their way to the number one overall pick. They can have their choice. 
A.J. Brown and the Philadelphia Eagles, we we really should say Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, take out the Tennessee Titans yesterday at Lincoln Financial Field. It was a tight game for about a quarter. And then it was 14-10, to and the Eagles never looked back. It was a, a terrible offensive performance yet again for the Titans and a very balanced attack for the Eagles offense that could do whatever, really whatever it wanted to do. It didn't, the game plan didn't call for running the football. And the Titans tried to take away Hurts as a runner. They did that, but they could not take away Hurts, the passer, who distributed the football to multiple receivers. And it was A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith that had a great day. Defensively, the Eagles defense were the, most, the more physical uh, group up front compared to the Titans' offensive line. And this is Philly preparing itself for any type of matchup that you can throw at them. They have, they have plenty of answers. And there's not, a, there's not many areas on their team that are massive question marks. There's not one thing you doubt about what they can or cannot do. And Philly's ready for a, a Super Bowl run. You like Philly right now in the NFC. Is it a big gap between Philly and Minnesota? It's not a big gap, no. But I do think there's a gap. There, there, yeah, there's a drop-off. I, I still think the, the Christmas Eve game between the Eagles and Cowboys determined the best team in the NFC. Yeah. And that's, that's just around the corner, too. That's going to be a great game. I, I, I thought that Jalen Hurts, was, it was, he was capable of having a, a breakout year based on what Philly's done around him. With that offensive line, now adding A.J. Brown, to Devontae Smith and, and Dallas Goddard in a good passing attack before that. Did not expect Jalen Hurts to, to, to jump up to be MVP leader in December, Jalen Hurts. This has surprised me. 390 yards against the Titans defense yesterday. Even though I expected the Eagles to win comfortably, surprises me with, with Jalen Hurts. He has been terrific and has exceeded all my expectations coming into the season. And, and really, the, thing, the, the difference factor, I think, for the, for the Eagles, there are certain players that you just know are going to show up and perform well. Jalen Hurts leads that category, like if we're just starting to name their, their team. A.J. Brown, though, gives them that element at, at wide receiver now, too. They're, they're always going to run the football well if they want to. If the game plan calls for it, the Eagles are going to run the football well. The question is, whenever you get to the playoffs and you have that shutdown... You face a Bucks defense last year, for instance, that is the number one team in, in football at stopping the run. Do you have a plan B that's capable of keeping up with some of the top offenses in the league? And now Philly does. And they also have a very physical defense, um, a very talented secondary. Special teams is fine. They had some good returns yesterday. I, I really like the makeup of their roster. And it, it, you're right. It does start with their O-line. Their O-line is legit. And even on a day where they had how many penalties? Twelve. 12, and, and what seven, seven? Seven of the twelve were false starts. From yeah, from the O line. Even on a day like that, they can still win with their B minus effort in certain areas. They're very impressive. And AJ Brown, I mean, insult to injury was his performance yesterday. I thought he could have done better than. Um, in the, I know the touchdown got wiped off the board uh, after the review, but then he scored on the very next play anyways. But if you've been storing something up for that long, to take the towel out and whip the yeah, goal I don't know post, what that was. I feel like you could have been a lot more creative with the touchdown celebration. So that that's really my only critique of A.J. Brown's game yesterday that's was fair. he the had that long to prepare for this spiteful, 
celebration after his first touchdown against his old team. And, and instead of mocking the Titans in some way or you know, faking a signing or a trade or something, he decides to take his towel out and whip the goalpost. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand it either. Didn't like it. Um, Chad, I, I, I like Mike White as the quarterback of the Jets, even though they lose yesterday to the Vikings. I'm going to hit the Vikings in a moment, but the Jets are just a different team with Mike White at quarterback. A week ago, he threw for, what, 315 yards, three touchdowns. Just yesterday, he threw for 369 yards, and he scored the Jets' only touchdown. Um, great job by making the move when they did from Zach Wilson to Mike White because they were, they were winning games with Wilson. They weren't scoring points with him, but the move allows them a little life, a little breathing room, some oxygen. And the Jets right now are a playoff team because they made the move uh, at quarterback. Meanwhile, um, they've got to be able to have a, a much higher efficiency in the red zone. They reached the red zone against the Vikings six times. They scored one touchdown yesterday. They've got to find extra points there and help out what is a great defense for New York. They're facing a Minnesota offense that is capable, like Philly, I would put them in the same category. They can beat you different ways. Dalvin Cook and Madison in the backfield. Meanwhile, you have Cousins who protects the football and can distribute it to the best wide receiver in football, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Now they have tight end play. Uh, with Hawkinson, they they have plenty of options there and a, and a, a defense that is good, not great. But yesterday they were great in the red zone. That's the difference. They win 27-22. Two interceptions, really the only blemish on Mike White's day. He was, he was great. Uh, I've been thoroughly impressed with the offense now with him. And it, it was just, it was so sporadic with Zach Wilson was the problem. He wasn't always terrible, you know, but it's light years different, at least through two games, with consistency and knowing what to expect from Mike White. Again, two games. Let's see how it progresses. But, Hutton, you said it. I mean, they, they look like a playoff team right yeah. now with Mike White. Yeah, and even in a loss, I'm saying that. And the Vikings, by the way, they continue to win close games. They were not doing that last year. They were 2-5 and five in games that were decided by a possession or less. This season, they're 5-0 and oh in games decided by six points. And they and eight of their – excuse me, nine of their ten wins now, Chad – Decided by eight or less. And they're they're finding ways to close out games. They get the ball to their best players. Commanders and Giants, interesting matchup. And the the Giants end up getting, um, I, I think, some momentum with Sa- Saquon Barkley, who played well. Um, but here's Taylor Heineke. Giants are, are leading this game. They're down 20 to 13. The Commanders are with two minutes left. And he converts a fourth and four from the Washington 27-yard line where he's pressured, he scrambles, he goes out and finds a, you know, throws a prayer to uh, Curtis Samuel, and they go down and tie the game. It ends up being a tie. But a loss uh, was so, so much, uh, so much more damage would have been caused by that. And Heineke's the one that led the way and came up with a clutch performance, albeit a tie, a clutch performance that now sets up after this coming week another matchup against the Giants on Sunday night football where you get a feeling that it's for a wild card spot. So ridiculous that this game is played so close to together. And with one of the teams having a bye next week. So one team plays the same team two games in a row, even though there's a bye in between. I, I forget which one. It's the Giants or the Commanders, I feel like, are off next week. And this and is now, the final week for byes, too. Now we'll play the same team two times in a row, which I understand it's difficult to make the NFL schedule, 
that should never be an issue. And it's that, the commanders that, that have the, the off week. Yeah, so the commanders next two games in a row against the Giants, and the first one ends in a tie. I, I, I joked about the Giants being inspired by the World Cup and playing for the draw when they punted <laughs> away instead of going for it when they were inside of commander's territory late, but they get the stop, and then it was Kayvon Thibodeau goes unblocked, almost a safety, sacks Heineke. Yeah. Yeah. They're down at the one. They get the ball back with a chance. I thought that the officials missed a blatant offsides when they were spiking the ball quickly. The, the commanders, the For entire the- right side of the line jumped over before the snap happened on the snap, on the, on yeah. the spike. That should have been five yards closer. So it was a 58-yard field goal from Gano that missed short. Add five yards to that, it's I think it's probably good. Probably right there, yeah. It's probably close, but but maybe good. I, I, look, I thought that was a big miss no one's talking about on that offsides. Uh, they could have done a better job of getting a little bit closer that with uh, Daniel Jones and, the Gi- J- Jones and the Giants late, but it is a weird feeling. We're here at 6th and Peabody getting ready for a, an, an NFL postgame show, Hutton, and I'm watching on the outside big screen, and there's people around watching that game, and when that kick falls short, you just kind of sit there just like the people yeah, at MetLife like, Stadium. That's it? What, what do we do now? And there's no, there was <laughs> like cheer? a little cheer? bit of like muffled yeah. booze. There's a groan. And then they just a kind murmur. of, you see people, you know, Giants fans saying, well, it's I guess it's better than a loss. <laughs> That's yeah, well, sort of the reaction. Well, I guess that you know, it's not a loss though, what it right? Does, well, it does set up. Very weird. It does set up for them though the December 18th game, right? Where the the one of, if one of those teams loses, then it's a must win scenario, and now you've got a you've got a spot now where you get the tiebreaker. You tie game one, you get the tiebreaker head to head game two. Now, what if they tie again? Then who knows? I, I'm here to see it now. With one tie, let's why not go for two? Same team, two ties, same season. It's got to be the first time that's ever happened. The, if that takes place, the Detroit Lions have won four of their last five games. The only loss is to the Bills on Thanksgiving Day by three. And in three of those four wins, they've scored 31 points or more. The Lions are playing really good football right now. And they blow out Jacksonville 40-14. to 14, And they're going to play a factor in the overall playoff seeding. Because now they have a couple of games coming up on the schedule where they will face the Vikings and they also have the Jets. And the Lions right now are one of the hottest teams playing. Their offense... They can move the football well, and defensively, at least they're better than what they were through the first half of the season. Glenn's defense is somewhat improved, and they're getting some play, some solid play from some young, some young players, some rookies. Um, Chad, I'm impressed. Yeah, I, 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 I hate to say that about a team that I don't think is actually going to make the postseason, but they're trending in the right direction. I was on with Dan Dockich on Don't At Me earlier today, and he asked about Dan Campbell and the Lions. Here's what impresses me. Hutton, you brought up Mike Tomlin and the Steelers as this example. You know they're not going to quit. Right. Even if their playoff hopes are gone, they're working in a new quarterback they hope is the franchise QB. They're not going to stop, and the product of that is they've won the last two games. Dan Campbell, a year ago, they were 3-14, and 14, but they won all three of their games in December or January. They didn't quit. They had nothing to play for and down they, the stretch. And they had close games and, that they lost early, And too. they won a few games down the stretch, lost another really close one against Atlanta a year ago, 
Could have been four wins down the stretch. Well, and then, here then come they the lose the game again. to the Ravens where uh, Tucker hit that like 64-yarder or whatever on them late. That was uh, in September, yes. 19-17 to 17, lost yeah, but to that, Baltimore. But again, like they, they were bad last year, but they, right. were, lo- they were losing tight games in the fourth yeah, 13 quarter. 13 to 10. They a had lot a like tie. the Vikings. They had a 16-all tie with Pittsburgh in that. 16 to 14 loss. 13 to 10. 1917. Um yeah, yeah, no, they had some close losses, but he kept them together. So for yeah. all the jokes about biting kneecaps and what Dan Campbell and his staff may be schematically, he does have a group of guys that seem to keep playing for him. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good baseline start for what you want. That they this is not a team that's quitting. And they're showing that now for a second straight year. There's just more wins to go with it. Now the Lions are at 5-7 and seven on the season. Yep. Um, Jacksonville looked terrible. Meanwhile, uh, one step forward, two steps back for the Los Angeles Chargers. They're the team, and I don't think it was hard to figure out, they're the team that just doesn't want to claim a playoff spot. They're outside looking in. And really, it's, it's down to them and probably the Jets in the AFC for those that can really battle for the seventh spot. But Chad, the Chargers have had so many opportunities. And we mentioned last week, this was one of those must-win games. There were only a couple of them, I felt like, going into week 13. I felt like the Chargers needed this one. A division matchup, team they've already won against back in week one. They've, they've got to keep pace as they begin the stretch run now for a wild-card berth because they're not winning the division. And they're just not capable of coming up with those clutch plays when they matter. Meanwhile... All of a sudden, Josh McDaniels has won three straight games in Vegas as the head coach. Devontae Adams looks like the best wide receiver in football with Carr delivering the football to him. And his work, Devontae Adams against the AFC West in five games against the division. 37 catches, 684 yards, seven touchdowns. He's averaging against the division 140 yards per game. And... He scored at least once in every division game so far. I mean, it, the guy is just virtually unstoppable. And when they throw him the football in the end zone, he is making some great grabs. It's fun to watch. Meanwhile, they're not getting that same type of play. I will say this, though. Game was on the line late. And the Chargers needed to go find points. And somehow on fourth down, her, you, could see, you could see the talent and the tease here. Herbert somehow fits a pass in to, to Allen. That is just remarkable for a score. And Allen's like chirping back and forth to Vegas fans, and they tie the game at 20. And then here come the Raiders against that Chargers defense. And it's still the Chargers defense that is holding them back when it matters most because Herbert and Allen actually came up with a massively clutch play to tie it. You could say, well, they shouldn't be in a tie game late. It's, it's unfortunate because I, I feel like the Chargers are very talented and they're probably looking at a new head coach next year because of it. Well, and here's, here's a lesson for all you kids out there that think that you can't have success if things are going against you. All it took for the Raiders to win three straight was their quarterback to break down in tears yep. in a post-game press conference and start crying, and for reports to start to leak out that while the Raiders want to fire Josh McDaniels, they can't because they don't have enough money <laughs> and they've promised him too much. The moment those two things happen – they're 3-0, and and Devontae Adams is just going silly game after game. So, look, success can happen for any of you, too, if it can happen for the Raiders that way. Really a, a crazy turnaround, though, for, for that team. Yeah, and then Vegas because is Because getting... it, it looked like it was only going to go towards yeah. 
are they Seller. going to win a game in the last month of the season? And now suddenly three in a row. And they, they're getting great play on all three phases, which means they're very difficult to, to beat right now. Uh, but it starts with the star power. And those guys are delivering. It's like the girl who uh, wants to get out of the ticket that says she just fake cries <laughs> yeah. to the officer to get out of it. Car pulled M- Maybe Derek Carr is now on to something <laughs> that, I'm not saying he faked the crying, right. but when in doubt, just cry. Waterworks. You show your emotion, Waterworks. that locker room will, will respond. It worked for Tim Tebow in college. He would cry <laughs> when he needed to, got the team going, and now Derek Carr, same thing. Maybe Derek Carr's cry speech is going to be on the wall like it is in Gainesville. I think this is a lesson for you, Jeff, Saturday. You need to start crying more in front of the media. That That's what's going to turn this Colts team around. Yeah, I don't. 33 points in the fourth quarter they gave up I'm, last night. I'm not sure he could uh, do anything about those fumbles and turnovers. 33 zip fourth quarter for the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, at, at one point, I, uh, it was up. The CBS affiliate here in town, Chad, I'm watching this game. I'm going, is Dallas really going to lose this game? Are they really going to lose this game? Do people watch that game in the fourth quarter? I mean, I love football as much as the next person. Oh, yeah, they do. But you are insane. Unless you have $5,000 riding on that game. When that thing gets to two scores in the fourth quarter, I am checking out. I am going to the latest Netflix show. I'm watching anything but Colts-Cowboys. They may have checked out after that. But, But, I mean, if if you're not a Colts or Cowboys fan, and you stuck through that entire game without having a ton of money on that game, hit us up on Twitter, Outkick360. Hit us up on the YouTube page. I want to hear from you (laughs) and understand your rationale. Do you not have any other entertainment options available to you? Even a good book. I can give you a reference if you want one. If you stuck through the entirety of that game. I get watching Sunday Night Football regardless of the matchup in hopes that it's going to be a good game and because it's the NFL and it's Sunday night football and their primetime package. But if you set start to finish with no money on that game and not a fan of one of those two teams, my hat's off to you. What was it, 22-19? And I want to hear from you. 22-19 or 21-19. And then all they of a sudden, failed to get the two-point conversion that would have made it 21-all. And then the wheels completely fell off. Then they just started 54-19 was the final. Yeah. Because, yeah, it was 33-0. Coming up, uh, we'll update you on the injury report from across the NFL as coaches have been delivering their their Monday press conferences. Also, there is a free agent visitor happening right now in Dallas. That's next on Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The big injury news across the NFL today. Jimmy Garoppolo done for the year with a broken ankle. So Brock Purdy is the quarterback. Mr. Irrelevant becomes very relevant for the San Francisco 49ers. No team has ever won a Super Bowl with a quarterback that started third on the depth chart back in September. And Brock Purdy looked fine yesterday against the Miami Dolphins defense. Uh, Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson is day-to-day with a knee issue. John Harbaugh is saying it's very, I think the way he phrased it was, less likely that he would play against the Pittsburgh Steelers this coming week. Uh, Those are the two big quarterback concerns 
Meanwhile, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. visiting with the Dallas Cowboys today. That's after he's had visits already with the Giants and Bills over the last several days. Free agent visits, but he's not working out. This is just preliminary talk. And Jerry Jones said after the game yesterday, last night, that they're going to do everything in their power to to make it work with Odell Beckham uh, as a as a Dallas Cowboy, if they can get it done. Of course, finances matter, but also they want to make sure he's healthy and all of those things need to come relatively soon in order to get ready for a postseason run. So is he just waiting till the last possible minute to join a team for the playoffs? Is that the goal now? No, I, or does he, is, is it his desire to sign quicker and teams are slow playing it? No, I think he is making his decision very soon, I think this week. And as long as he is medically cleared, he's good to go. I think this has just been a process for him to get back from that ACL issue which took place in the Super Bowl. So it's a health deal. Yeah, I think the timing okay. of it, though, is is working out in his favor right now. Where where I, This has been planned for a couple of weeks, these free agent visits. But it's more like surface... It's, it, I guess it's more than surface level. It's not like he's going out running routes and there's a, you know, a backup quarterback that's also trying out for the team that's in there to throw passes to him. He's not doing that yet. So I guess if you're, if you're in, you want your doctors to clear him and then you kind of know what you're getting. Honestly, though, Chad, I think it's better if Dallas doesn't get him. Yeah, where would you go if you were Odell Beckham Jr.? I, I Of the I would, options. I would go to Dallas or Buffalo of those options. But I think it's better if Dallas doesn't get, get him. They need to be run-oriented, not pass-focused. With Tony Pollard now as the lead back and Ezekiel Elliott scoring every week, I would focus more on the run, rushing attack. But, again, Dallas is going to be Dallas because Jerry's going to spin. Mike Bratton next. 